this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows you do not bring your wizarding chess pieces to the Dejarik table. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Hey, man, what's going on? Here. How's it going? Uh, yeah, not too much. How about you? Um, it's It's been a week, let me tell you that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just it's it's just been a week. Let's, I'll just okay. um, It's cold. <laughs> We got a lot of snow. We live in Chicago, so we have to deal with that weather. And then we're going to get more snow. And then, yeah, so it's just it's been a week. Um, That being said, uh, we actually have a guest tonight. Um, So this is one of those things. And before I introduce him, I'm going to kind of talk him up just a little bit. This is one of those things where friends with someone for a while and you guys start talking and having your nerd conversations. And, oh, you like that movie? Yeah, I liked it. You like that show? You have those normal conversations that you do. And then you start hanging out on a regular basis and then you find out that you do things creative like, oh, you host a podcast. Oh, you do this. Oh, you know what I mean? And it's kind of funny when those things happen. So what I'd like to do is I don't know if any of our listeners have you know, found this uh, show on uh, YouTube, um, but uh, my friend Travis, who hosts, I guess you could say hosts. Yeah. Hosts. OK. Hosts. Uh, hosts <laughs> the show on YouTube Science Bros. So, Travis. Welcome to the Top 5 Report. Thanks for having me. All right. So would you like to tell tell us a little bit about your show? Because I know a little bit. I've watched a few of the videos. I watched, The one I love is the potato gun one, but that's because there's a big story behind it in terms of a phone call I got and everything. It was great. But go ahead. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the show. Yeah, so it's called Chicago Science Bros. Uh, as, as Drew said, it's, it's on YouTube. Um, you know, basically it started out a few years ago with me and my two sons. They were wanting, they wanted to do Mentos and Diet Coke. They're fascinated by this experiment. So we went out back and we did it and then it kind of flourished from there into elephant toothpaste. How big can we make that? And then as you <laughs> referenced, it became a potato cannon, which, uh, it turns out is, uh, disclaimer, do not try that at home kids. Uh, <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me rephrase this. There's nothing wrong with a potato gun. There's a difference between a potato gun and a potato cannon that's as high powered as you made it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there were some miscalculations in, in accelerants and things of that nature. Potato went 153 miles an hour. We missed the target. We hit a school fan window. Uh, <laughs> window did not survive. The potato didn't survive. And um, but how about this? The video is still up, right? The video is there. You, if you go to YouTube, Chicago Science Bros, you can watch it. Um, it, it's pretty comical to see the reaction from everyone. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, most of the time they don't go terribly wrong. Um, and there's some, we've had some cool ideas, you know, some things you can do at home and try, uh, again, the elephant toothpaste is always a popular one with everybody. So, sure. but uh, I definitely, if you like science, you like chemistry, you want to, you want to have a good laugh, check it out. Nice. All right. So the whole idea is, is I brought you on this show. We're going to talk a little bit about yours and then 
Peter and I are going to come and guest star on you guys and do some science, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's <laughs> we come up with a crazy enough idea, we'll do anything. All right, fantastic. Because you, you told me about something you want to build, and I think that's awesome, and we should definitely try. So I'll, I'll say it's cool to have a uh, guest on the show from the science realm, too, because uh, I know Drew brings a uh, nerdy science story to this podcast every once in a while, and I'm just kind of clueless with a lot of that stuff, but it's cool to have that representation, you know? <laughs> so Yeah. I, know, I think everybody kind of appreciates science. I think a lot of times they don't realize it because everything kind of involves it in some way in their life. They're just not so you kind of tweak it and make it make it fun. You don't really realize it. So I'm, I'm excited that Absolutely. you'll be on the show at some point, Peter, and, and uh, you'll be able to be part of something crazy. Yeah. When, when, COVID, <laughs> when COVID allows us to do stuff like this. Absolutely. <laughs> um at any rate, that being said, how about this? Let's get into our show. Let's talk about our normal stuff. Uh, let's put all, like, I was going to say, let's put all the science stuff under the carpet for a minute, but no, <laughs> let's not, because that's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's get into our new, normal stuff, Peter. So we'll start with you, and then I'll hit Travis, and we'll swing around to me. So um, what are we watching? What are we reading? What do you got for me? Yeah, for sure. So I did watch this show called WandaVision, but I'm sure you did as well. So we'll probably save that and talk about that in a minute. But uh, I just have a couple quick movies Travis, I wanted to mention. I have not watched it yet. I've heard mixed things. OK, I got a feeling you're probably a big fan, but um, I am. But okay. all right. So that's fair. I'll give it a shot eventually. Just haven't gotten we, gotcha. we have we have mixed reviews of WandaVision on this show even so far. So um, but what I was going to say is there's a couple movies I watched this past week that I wanted to mention. Um, the first one is uh, Rango, which is on Netflix right now. And I had n- never seen it. Um, it's Chinese always a movie that third movie. Yep, the Johnny Depp lizard 3D <laughs> animated movie. Um, I always wanted to watch this movie, and I just never saw it when it came out. And uh, I have a, uh, you know, uh, my son is about, he's getting close to two years old. And the, the other night, he really was making it apparent that he really wanted to rank, wanted to watch Rango. Because we watched, like, you know, some other animated kids movie, and that was, like, one of the suggested movies after that. And he kept pointing at it and yelling at it yelling at the tv and we're like okay i guess we're gonna watch this but all in all i thought this movie was awesome by, by um, the, your kid's two right yes okay <laughs> he's, he's he's close so, so so he's he's not audibly yelling like understandable words but he was making it very apparent he wanted to watch this movie <laughs> so we're like all right we're, we'll check this out um you've got to figure it out because the hardest part of having young children is when they can't communicate with you so if you've reached the point where you can communicate without language then you're you're ahead of the rest of us Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Like sometimes it's a struggle, but I think uh, we've been doing a pretty good job of inferring uh, all the things that he wants and stuff. But uh, no, just I was just going to say like this movie, I thought it was really great. And like I thought the storyline was good. And I know that uh, it was actually because I remember when the movie came came out hearing about how all the scenes in the movie, they actually physically acted out with the actors like they didn't do it in a mocap sort of way, but they did it because they wanted to record, record the voice acting that way because they knew that they knew that they would get the best uh, vocal performance doing that. Um, so that's really cool. But what I love live action and then did the animation. It's a good movie. I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is like, what I really appreciated about this movie is just how, um, how like well the CG held up because this movie is 10 years old at this point. And I think it's just the 
incredible amount of detail they put into every character the movie actually still looks really good and all the characters look really gruesome really gross <laughs> but it's awesome it's kind of like a cg version of the old uh ren and stimpy cartoons when they had those like gross up close-up <laughs> shots of the characters and stuff but um and then overall the movie had a really cool sort of uh I don't know, kind of like it had a really cool like social commentary aspect to the plot. It had the sort of like big like power to the people sort of, uh, you know, theme behind it, which I really appreciated. So I just wanted to mention that. And uh, the other movie I watched, time. what's that? I said I haven't seen that movie in a long time. It's the it's the water situation, right? If I recall. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like uh, Get away, but yeah. The, uh, how, how old is the movie? You can spoil it. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> So I had a I had a I was there was, I was at a party and I was having a deep in-depth conversation about Star Wars with someone at the party and nearby was a friend's girlfriend who was just watching Star Wars for the very first time. I don't know what movie she was on. That's irrelevant. What I do know <laughs> is that in this conversation, I eventually said, there's that one in that scene when Darth Vader died, these lines of dialogue, blah, blah, blah. And she it's heard that and oh, freaked God. out on me. And I, felt bad. <laughs> and I felt bad for about 30 seconds. And then my brain went, hold on. The movie's 30 years old. It's your fault for not watching right. it. <laughs> no, that's not on you. That's not her. Right. It's so. part of the pop culture, uh, you know, you know, uh, what do I want to call it? Like the social or sorry, I'm blanking on the, But it's part of just sort of like everybody knows like Darth Vader dies. Sort of thing. So it's right. really funny. It's like ruining the mystery that Dracula is actually a vampire. You know, like everybody knows that at this point. Um, <laughs> right. But actually, speaking of vampires, the other movie I watched in honor of uh, this week's list is John Carpenter's Vampires, <laughs> which, which I I, I, uh, I borrowed from Drew about a year and a half ago, <laughs> and I finally got around to watching it. And yeah. uh, this this movie, it was it was great. It was tons of fun. Um, I loved that. uh it really had that uh, John Carpenter feel, obviously. Like, I really liked the score. Um, I'm assuming he had a heavy hand in that because, as far as I know, he kind of does for all of his movies. But, uh, no, it had, like, a really cool, like... I really appreciated sort of like it had kind of a bit of a Western vibe, but just kind of a really badass action sort of vibe. And uh, I don't know the I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who plays the main, uh, you know, big baddie vampire guy, that guy was just oh, yeah. like so badass throughout the whole movie. Like he was born to be a vampire. He was born to play a role like that. And he was so cool. James Woods and Daniel Baldwin. Is that where the vampires like climb the walls? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like okay. the ones where they like they live underground, like right. they, they hide themselves underground and they have like the weird farmhouses that they're all hiding in. Like I like get tremors in that kind of confusing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does have a similar feel to uh, tremors. I'll I'll admit that. Um, the other thing about this movie is it's very. um I'd say politically incorrect. Like, I don't think they could do some of the stuff they did in this movie like nowadays, but it's still politically incorrect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. But uh, no, I just still appreciated it. Like, it was just a great like late 90s badass action movie overall. So, yeah, good stuff. Thanks for letting me borrow that, Drew. And sorry that it took me so long to watch. <laughs> and at one day, at one point, I'll get it back from you. Absolutely. Um, when COVID's over. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you, um, is that it for your list? Yeah, that's it besides WandaVision. So, uh, Travis, 
Yeah, what I'm going to watch what we read. I'm going to mention one here that I know you've already talked about, but I was so pumped after I saw it. I'm going to bring it up again. Um, I watched Tenet last week and I, I mean, absolutely blew me away. It kind of, you know, it was one of those movies like a quarter of the way, a third of the way through. I wasn't really sure. But then as you start to as it starts to reveal itself and you understand it, it kind of like blows your mind. And you're like, this is pretty intelligent, you know, sort of time travel, whatever you want to call I know. it. And it really, I was like, I need to watch it again at least twice because the, the the scene at the end where they're battling and they're and they're timing it out perfectly. I mean, it's it's incredible, like how much thought goes into just all of Christopher Nolan's movies in general when you really think about it. Like, right? He really he really puts way more, way deeper level of, of thinking behind all these things. And I, so it's it's interesting because there's some parts of the movie that it's like, okay, he totally just basically just re- reversed the film. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. some of the time travel stuff like, oh, he's just playing the film backwards. But right. some of that's mixed with like forward film work. So it makes it look. Well, I, I you know I, what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. So I read there's there's less CG scenes in that movie than a standard romantic comedy now. So he filmed. I think ninety five percent of the movie was actually filmed for real. And it's not CG, which, again, is another reason that he's probably it's, my top out there right now, because he really has a, an appreciation for film and going to that next level, you know? Right. And I kind of spun off of that after I watched that. I went and watched Dunkirk again and, again, loved that movie just as much as the first time I saw it in IMAX. Um, and I will say this as far as Tenet goes. Um, <laughs> Peter, you haven't watched Tenet yet, have you? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So the scene, this is not a spoiler. It's just a spoiler location. When they're, when Robert Pattinson's walking around the art vault and getting the tour of the art vault, if you cannot see him playing Bruce Wayne, I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like I was watching him real closely in that sequence. I'm like, he's totally Bruce Wayne. I'm down. Like, you know I'm I mean? heavily like, skeptical of that casting too, but I will tell you that, uh, yes, that, that certainly did help change my mind a little bit. His, his acting has come a long way too. There's, the movie's going to slip my mind. It's a really Twilight. small movie. No, he did it a couple oh. years ago. Um, oh, well, Twilight's the one everyone goes, oh, no, the kid from Twilight. But no, he's got he's got a handful of movies right. that have since then that have made him a very serious. It, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I do appreciate what he's been able to do right. since Twilight. OK. Anything else? Uh, the only thing I was going to say is uh, Lupin on Netflix is, uh, is a pretty cool show. Peter, have you watched Lupin? Because I have not. Is it like based on like Lupin the Third, the anime, or like what? Uh, I haven't watched it obviously, but uh, French, yeah, what are we talking it's about? It's a French like whodunit sort of like um, long con. You know, he, oh, steals, cool. he steals these this necklace from the Louvre to get back at somebody for, uh, for to avenge something from his father. I've only seen the first episode. I think I think there's six episodes available right now. But the first episode, I felt it could have been a movie in itself. You know, it's it's in French, so you can watch it dubbed. But I, I found that to be very strange. So I throw the subtitles <laughs> on up to me, but. Um, I don't know. I can never get behind well, having what's really funny. What's really funny about the subtitle thing is if I'm watching like like a Japanese cartoon, like an anime, so like Princess Mononoke or something like that, yeah. I'll watch it with the English dub. You don't really notice. Right. But when you watch a live action thing with the English dub, you definitely notice. And I went into Pan's Labyrinth not knowing the movie was subtitled. And you think about it, you're like, eh, whatever. Sometimes there's subtitles. You just go with it. I did not realize the movie was in Spanish and I had to read the whole movie. But Again, a lot of times with those, I like to be in the mood for it. Yeah. This was one where I didn't know, and I was like, "Oh my god, this movie's amazing!" And you just basically had, you basically stuck with it. So yeah, that's a good movie. Um, well, anyway, I guess that is that it for your watching. All right, so I didn't watch anything. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I, I watched some more Batman animated series while I was falling asleep because it sounds like the rumor of the Batman animated series getting rebooted on HBO Max and actually them making a sequel for the series has me so excited. So I watched a little bit of that before I went to bed. But what I have been doing is I've been playing around a lot with the DC Universe uh, Infinite app, Peter. Oh, sweet. How is that going? about last week. It's actually fantastic. Do you know about this? I do not. Okay, so basically DC Universe created their app. They were it was gonna be like a streaming service, so like Titans and like okay. you know, like yeah. the Harley Quinn show and Doom Patrol and like their television shows. And then they were gonna have all the movies, like the old Michael Keaton movies and the uh, Christopher Reeve Bat, uh, Superman movies, and like they were gonna have basically it's basically gonna be an outlet for all DC content. Um, not enough people bought into it. Well, while it was just being this thing, they decided to launch HBO Max. But because Warner Brothers owns DC in terms of the licensing rights for film and television, yeah. they took all that property from the DC Universe app, put it into HBO Max. So all that stuff is going to be going into HBO Max. Oh, nice. And the DC Universe app has become a comic book reader. Okay. So literally, it's $7.99 a month unlimited reading the entire DC comics library. So I literally can just start with Batman number one from like 1940 and just start reading. And it what's and here's the thing that's really cool about it, Peter, is that I, I am new to the e-reader thing, but I'm also very like, I want the physical book in my hand and that's the hardest part for me. Um, the fact that I can't carry comic books around everywhere I go um, and like, I can't like just bring comic books to work because it's just it's bulky and everything that's, you know, so yeah. the fact that I can literally just have it on my phone at lunch and just start reading comics, or, you know what I mean? Or have like downtime, like you're waiting in the line of the grocery store and I can sit and read comics. <laughs> what I found myself doing all week is reading comics as opposed to reading social media, which yep. is kind of cool because you know what I mean? Okay. Like it's I, a lot better than doom scrolling through Twitter all day or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, right. You know, you might look at Instagram here and there, but then I'm like, no, I got to find out what's going on with Batman. And you pull up a comic and you start reading. It's actually been really cool. So, um, I'm totally down. I was in for it when I, in my brain, when I'm like, you know what they should do? <laughs> so now that it's there, it's fantastic. Uh, so, so is it literally like because I know you you talked about this before and we didn't get too in depth about it, but is it literally like the full DC Comics catalog or is there gaps that are missing it, in there it does, or it does not look like there's any gaps? And I've only that done, is awesome. It only looks I've only done a little bit exploring, though, but I have looked up arcs that I've never read that I've always wanted to. So I kind of started on a couple things that I was like, oh, I'm going to check this out. So I actually read a couple issues. Uh, I started at uh, Detective Comics 27, which is the. Um, first appearance of Batman. I read the first couple issues of Detective Comics and thought to myself, you know what? I'll eventually just get through all the Detective Comics and just start from the beginning and just read it all. I mean, and why not? I know, right? And then I jumped over and read like a Supergirl book that I always wanted to read that I never got a chance to, but it was just the one issue. And then I jumped over and you know what I mean? So I kind of bounced around a little bit, but then I was like, oh, wait, I can do this. And you can build yourself like a, I guess you could say like a wish list or like a read list. Yeah. So, you can kind of like put stuff off to the side. So it's like, that's what I'm going to read next kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for specific arcs, I'm just really impressed with how the app lays out. So there's a couple of little like menuing things I think that could be adjusted, but that's, you know, you launch the app and then you make some updates and you know, that kind of thing. So nice. that's awesome. Is there a, a free trial for it? There is. So oh, I, would nice. say, I, I would say, am going to try that out then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, in, I'm in the free trial period still. So I just, yeah, try it out. It's, I think it's pretty cool. Um, other than that, yes, I watched WandaVision. 
Um, do you have any takeaways from this episode? Because I don't have many more than my thoughts from last week because we're still building to where. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Cause I'm kind of on the same page too. Um, I'm liking the weird, um, when the characters break, when, you know, when the people in the show break character, um, I'm loving those parts. And when they're, they start talking to Wanda and, you know, like vision is like, well, this isn't right. Or this isn't how it's supposed to be. And then, well, sorry, Travis, I'm totally spoiling things. So I won't go too far into it, but, but when they start hinting at that sort of, more dismal overarching like mysterious plot that we don't really know everything that's going on i'm really loving those parts um sort of the hint of oh yeah but uh what i was gonna say is the sitcom parts i'm still a little bit like i could take it or leave it i don't know if i'm completely sold on the sitcom aspect as much yet so remember what i said about the sitcom aspect and i think it's only like a matter of time before that whole thing is out the window because Wanda is she's created a perfect reality for herself and she would have grown up. She would have grown up in Russia watching these old sitcoms as they landed on her plate. So these are perfect worlds that she knows. This is a world that she knows to be perfect. And here she is trying to create a perfect life for her envision. So she's reality altering everything. At least that's what I believe is going on right now. Anyway. No, I I agree with that. I was just thinking like maybe each episode could start out and it'd be like five minutes sitcom format and then it would break away from that like a lot sooner (laughs) just because I think that would be better like entertainment value wise. But uh, uh, yeah. What saying? That's the main complaint that I, I've heard and that kind of kept me from getting into it at first. But I, I think I think a lot of people didn't. I think you, you guys probably understood that was the concept. And I, I, I've read enough to know that's the concept, too. I think people who didn't know that who just were like, oh, it's a Marvel show. Let me watch it. We're kind of thrown off. Right. And they just were like, this is a lot of people watch one episode. And we're like done because like I don't get it, you know. Right. And I went in and it was funny. Um, I went in. First episode, first two episodes were what we dropped first. And by the end of the second episode, my brain is like exploding because like it's there's comic books I've read where I'm like, if you were to read this, it's not going to be like that at all. But if you've read this, your brain is going to be like mine. Like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for what's about to happen. Oh, cool. um, so this is that part where I this and this is a really, really good segue into news, Peter. So we'll just segue right into news after I make this statement. It's a really I'm concerned about Marvel's situation of saying have to watch the television shows to understand what's going on with the movies yeah. and the average moviegoer who maybe didn't watch WandaVision or didn't watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or maybe was like, I don't like She-Hulk, so I'm not going to watch that, is going to walk into a movie and go, I don't know who any of these characters are. Like, oh, you didn't watch She-Hulk. Interesting. You know, do you really so, think, though, but, they, they put you blind like that as the audience in a, in a big budget movie? Though? Well, here's the thing. Marvel, and I've said this before on the show, created a television show that you could only watch at the movie theater. So the next episode of Captain America, you had to go to the movie theater to watch it. The next episode of Iron Man, you had to go to the movie theater to watch it. The next episode of Avengers, you had to go to the movie theater to watch it. And they trained us like comic book fans understand continuity. But they trained the average moviegoer what continuity is. And they taught us how to go to the theater and like that's the next one. So we got to go see it. You can't see you can't see this movie without seeing this one. So when your dad is texting you or like my dad did, should I go see this new Avengers movie that everyone's talking about? And I go, well, did you watch the 23 films that came before? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, like the average moviegoer that doesn't know, like that's where my concern is with the television shows. And Marvel has said that the shows are going to be so interlaced that you're going to kind of want to have to watch it all. 
where they've trained yeah. us continuity, it makes me go, well, I guess I'm watching WandaVision. I guess I'm watching She-Hulk. I guess I'm watching, you know. So. You gotta believe that's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna lose some people. You know, and or, that's, and that's, that's personal. Concern is, that's right, yeah. personally my concern. Yeah. But Marvel proved me wrong before, and they're doing something right over there. So I can't yeah. really like argue. Um, um, well, just kind of going back to something I was saying last week, though. There's still the internet and and Wikipedia, and people are still gonna need to fill in gaps because. Like we've been saying, like not everybody's going to be watching every show. And there's also like a lot of really popular YouTube videos out there where it's like this movie explained or what do you need to know before watching? I don't know. Right. End game two or whatever, you know, so like right. I think those videos are just going to get more and more popular. So it's kind of a double edged sword where like, yes, you do need to watch the shows and you should. But realistically a lot of people aren't and they're just going to fill in the gaps like whatever way they see fit so yeah agreed well let's like i said this segues into uh news really well i did have one last thought on this wandavision episode though i think the theme song for this one was the best so far (laughs) i really liked that theme song i can't say that so how many episodes have there been three okay so the, the next one is tomorrow night Got it. Um, yeah. Well, ultimately, the first. So you haven't watched it. So they have that sitcommy look. So the first episode is very Dick Van Dyke slash Donna Reed, and they even make there's a couple homages and references right away that you're like, oh, okay. So if you know Dick Van Dyke, you're gonna go, ha, that's I I know that gag. Yeah. Um, and then the second episode was Bewitched, and then the next episode was Bewitched, and then the third episode is Brady Bunch. Gotcha. But it's advancing, and that's. Partially advancing because show to show a show. It's partially advancing because she's growing up. It's partially advancing because she's making changes. Like, so you have to understand that Scarlet Witch has reality altering abilities. And she's, and this takes place immediately after Endgame, according to Kevin Feige, which means Vision is dead. He's not alive anymore. So when you see these scenes with Vision, she has created this pocket universe for herself where she can be happy and live in this perfect bubble. Gotcha. And there's moments in the episodes. So the first episode, not so much, but definitely in the second episode, there's a scene where something happens. She doesn't like it. And she just simply goes, no. And things start fixing themselves. So is, you is know? this not a superhero show then? Oh, I feel like I'm wa- okay. I feel it like, is. It is. Okay. It is. And it's definitely going to, and I believe it's going to, I believe what's happening in WandaVision is fully setting up Doctor Strange 2. Uh, Doctor Strange 2 will be titled The Multiverse of Madness and Scarlet Witch. Was there Doctor Strange 1? Yeah, there was. You don't remember Doctor Strange 1? You read it at Cumberbatch? Yeah, you're right. I apologize. I'm thinking, who am I thinking of mixing up my character? Okay. Apologies. Um, (laughs) I'm going to get kicked off the show now. Yeah, right. No, so Doctor Strange... Strange, the multiverse of planets, where Scarlet yeah. Witch will be right. one of the major players in that story, which they've already said. So, because she's creating this pocket universe, my theory, and I talked about this last week, but my theory is, is that you're going to find out that there's a pocket universe where mutants are, and there's a pocket universe where the vampires are, and there's a pocket universe where the Fantastic Four are. And after the Doctor Universe, after the Doctor Strange movie happens, all these things are going to start enveloping into one cohesive universe, and that's where we're going to get our X Men for Fantastic Four, quick, Blade, Vampires. Is that more? Is Morbius? Morbius, Morbius, Blade. Is he, so is Morbius part of the Blade universe? Is that the same? Well, 
if you go back to comic book lore, Spider-Man had to deal with Morbius and went looking for help, and that's how Blade came into the Marvel Universe. Did, all right, another random question. Did Morbius ever come out? What do you mean? Did it ever get released? Oh, no, it's it's been delayed. Okay, because I recall before all of this happened, yeah. that movie was like heavy marketing was coming and out, and then it like, it's disappeared. And I'm glad you said that, oh, because that? that goes right into the first news story. <laughs> um, and this is what's interesting is, so, Peter, we've been waiting for Black Widow. Yes. Okay? Everything got shut down for the Eternals, and they're pushing that back. Um, Morbius is being filmed or whatever. It's potentially done because they released done, right? It should be finished as far as I'm concerned, at least what I thought. But it's, the release has been delayed. Here's what's interesting about this rollout. And I talked about how we have to watch the shows now and we have to watch uh, the movies and kind of in conjunction. WandaVision is what they're calling the beginning of phase four. OK, so if you haven't been keeping score, Iron Man one to Avengers one is phase one. Avengers 1 to Avengers 2 is Phase 2. Avengers 2 to Spider-Man Far From Home is Phase 3. Because that goes through Endgame and then Far From Home. And then WandaVision will begin Phase 4. Kevin Feige told IGN in an interview that the MCU's Phase 4 is about beginnings and won't have an Avengers movie in its lineup. No Avengers films at all will come into play. Avengers films will come into play at some point, but there's no Avengers movies in Phase 4 at all. What I'm not entirely sure of is if that means there's no Avengers films, as in team-up movies, or there's no movies at all, and it just shows in Phase 4. I kind of like the idea that maybe they're going fresh with the characters, you know, and we're not going to keep like, oh, now we have the new Captain America, and we're just kind of rehashing the same chunk of characters. I think that that could be smart on their part. True. So we'll see what what happens. What What I got out of that quote from Kevin Feige is we're not going to see Black Widow anytime soon. So I should stop waiting and hoping and dreaming. (laughs) (laughs) Black Widow was supposed to release last May. The trailer's been out because COVID it got pushed. And then when Wonder Woman hit HBO Max on Christmas Day, everyone went, where's Black Widow on Disney Plus? Come on, just give it to us already. And it's not like, where is it? Like, where's my Black Widow? Come on, I want to watch Black Widow. And I'm sitting here going, I want to watch Black Widow. Will you guys just give it to us? Just give us one and then whatever. Because, like, the Eternals started pre-production and then they stopped because of COVID. So they haven't gone into production. The only movie they have, they're have really sitting on is Black Widow. Right. So, but that's that. We're not going to earn the box office dollars nonsense. Like, they're waiting it out. And so, on one hand, that's fine. But in terms of Marvel movies... The next piece of news I had was that Thor Love and Thunder has begun production. So he's didn't film that movie yet. They they has they officially begun filming in Australia. I I thought that was already well on its way, not done, but being worked on at least based on what we already knew. I know. And like I said, everything got pushed back. It's messed up. Is Christian Bale's the bad guy in that movie? Is that right? Yeah, he's playing Gore. If you know their Thor comics, I, I mean, I looked it up once I once I saw it. I mean, I love Christian Bale, so I'm, I'm yeah. on board. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I'm just I'm really excited because they're doing the Lady Thor thing finally, um, bringing Natalie Portman yeah. back, and so I think that's going to be really cool. Um, she get she gonna get jacked like Chris Hemsworth? I don't know if that works. I that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. They might just give her the hammer. 
<laughs> the hammer gives her a power, so they might just give her the hammer. It, this is sort of news related. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of him. He's uh, he's uh, playing Hulk Hogan. He's playing Hulk Holy Hogan. Cow. He is huge. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> pictures of him, Peter, it's but ridiculous. oh my god, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, but that sounds awesome. Like it's like you thought if you thought he looked big as Thor, like this is like at least double that. I'm kind of excited for that movie. You know, I, I you know I think we all probably wrestling friends at some point as kids. I imagine. I think. Whether whether you're a wrestling fan or not, if you're from like our generation, yeah. you grew up with names like Hulk Hogan, and you're gonna go yeah. and you're gonna watch the biopic regardless. Yeah. So it's the yeah I- you, you couldn't escape Hulkamania back in the late '80s or whatever it was. So <laughs> they're really kind of like live action superheroes in the late '80s. You know what I mean? In, in a weird way, it was right. a weird scripted sort of. Uh, you know, they had it was cool. Yeah, it was cooler too because they had like crazier costumes and lore back then like you watch wrestling now and you just feel like it's regular dudes <laughs> fighting each other and you're like totally. kind of boring <laughs> so um yeah that's an interesting way of segueing um <laughs> so uh speaking of people wrestling around and they're uh, and having good lore um warner brothers hbo max has announced a new live action harry potter series is early in early development um, Travis is shaking his head. He's clearly not a Harry Potter fan. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting because I think my personal opinion on Harry Potter is as follows. I whether I like the series or not, I'm not a fan, but whether I like it or not, I truly felt that Harry Potter could have been the next Star Wars. And I say this because if you look at the Star Wars fandom, they made a handful of movies and then they stopped and then there was no movies for a really long time. And then suddenly everyone was begging for more Star Wars. And then they did the prequels. Now, whether you liked the prequels or not, more Star Wars came back and then they stopped making Star Wars. And then when we were all going, we want more Star Wars, they gave us more Star Wars. And now we have the Mandalorian and we have a new trilogy and they, you know, it doesn't matter which part of it you like or dislike. We're we're 40 plus years and we're still talking about Star Wars. But I get what your point. You're about to say that they saturated the market by making nine. Was it whatever eight nine movies? Well, they like made eight nine movies, and then they didn't. And then when no one was asking for Harry Potter, they started making the Fantastic Beast films. That's right. that's my point. I, but I think Star Wars backed into that though. Like they didn't intentionally make three movies and then forget about it for thirty. And they're like, hey, we'll wait till everybody cares again. It just no, it just, they, <laughs> it, no. I understand what it, you're saying. You know, that I mean, a, it, it they got lucky and it worked. Right. They, even though they almost destroyed well, it. Oh, wasn't it wasn't a big piece of it was George Lucas was waiting for technology to advance to the point what? where he felt he could make the prequels. So he that's was. another thing where today we don't really we can pretty much do whatever we want with CG. Right. So, you know, Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling didn't have to wait at all. And um, yeah, and then they released the Fantastic Beasts, which I'm not a big fan of those movies, but uh I'm the, I'm definitely the podcast resident uh, Harry Potter fan, and I can say I'm actually like really effing pumped for this new <laughs> Harry Potter series. Um, I think it's going to be awesome, even though I don't have any details about it. But for a long time, I've actually thought it was going it would be really cool for them to do a live action Harry Potter show. But I just never thought it would be made, and I don't know why. But I think if you read the Harry Potter books and the way they end, it kind of there's kind of this feeling that like all the problems are solved at the end of the book. Like it actually leaves you with this point where there's like Voldemort is defeated spoilers and uh, you know, the world, everything is well in the world. And it kind of like give, gave me this feeling like, could they really even do more stories in this universe? Because they make it seem like the biggest conflict is already completely vanished. And uh, 
of course they can because everybody finds a way to make more stories when there's money involved. So basically <laughs> what I'm just saying is I'm excited about the series. I look forward to seeing what happens, but we don't really know anything about it at this point. <laughs> right. And I agree. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I don't know if I'll be jumping on the Harry Potter TV show bandwagon, but I thought it would be worth, it was worth mentioning because that's a big piece in terms of like, adding to the lore of that series. You look like you're about to say something. Yeah, just do either of you watch His Dark Materials? So... It kind of reminded me of, like, this sort of kid magic Harry... Not Harry, you know, like, in the same realm. I don't know. So I watched... I watched Golden Compass, the movie. Okay. Is that the same thing? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. So I went... I watched the Golden Compass, and and there was a huge thing about everyone, like, freaking out about... Like, there was a big whole anti-Christian movement against the movie when it first came out. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I watched it. The movie was okay. I went into the, I went into this series thinking to myself, I know Golden Compass. I'm going to check this show out. I also like Lin Manuel, so I'm going to check this show yeah. out. I watched a few episodes. It's not my thing, so okay. I kind of fell off the bandwagon pretty quick. But it's very well made. Yeah, I haven't finished the season yet, but I I watch it with with my with my kids, and we've all we all kind of enjoy it. I think it's it's interesting for sure. So um, I, I haven't watched it. I watched uh, Golden Compass like Drew and I wasn't a big fan of that movie. So that's kind of why I haven't tried his dark materials. And I honestly haven't heard it getting a lot of hype, but maybe someday I will. But, yeah, I just haven't had a chance to watch that one yet. So, um, all right. Well, last piece of news. And I should probably you put this at the top of the show in the watching category. But you guys watch the Godzilla versus Kong trailer like nine. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. <laughs> Did you watch it, Peter? I haven't watched it yet. I've been seeing so much hype. Like I saw the poster come out and I've been excited, but I don't know why I completely missed the trailer coming out. I feel so bad right now. It looked like a lot of fun. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be like, you know, it's not one of the Oscars, but there's some pretty cool scenes in this trailer. My kids are like, Kong totally wins. Did you see him with that bat? He's got a battle axe at one point. And he swings <laughs> at a Godzilla. Like, he's got the, the, he's got the one scene where he takes a swing at him, like a full punch oh, at Godzilla. Yeah, and then, like, I turn on the radio. I'm at work, and I turn on the radio, and someone, and, like, some sports, like, radio station, whoever had the radio on last or whatever, is, like, they're literally discussing who's winning in a fight. And the guy's, like, talking. He's, like, all Godzilla's got is that fire breath and short arms. He's, you know, just, like, but they're like, giving serious <laughs> debates about this. So, this feels like the uh, Rocky versus Mr. T uh, Rocky three fight that people are going to start betting on, like who's going to win. <laughs> but this is part of they built this, right? This came from Skull, yeah, Kong Skull Island, and then there was the moth. Actually, this came from uh, the Godzilla remake, uh, the Gareth Edwards Godzilla right. film. And then they did Kong Skull Island. And, at the, end, and at the end of Skull Island, if it's the bonus credit scene where they have the Godzilla reveal. In the bonus credits, also one of them have Mothra. Is it Mothra? Is that I'm yeah? Because right? after Kong Skull Island, they had uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which had Mothra and King Ghidorah and right, um, okay. all the other ones. And apparently, all those monsters from King uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters will be in Godzilla vs. Kong. I figured it much. So and, like, <laughs> why not? Like I don't know. The trailer just looks a lot of like a lot of yeah. fun, and I'm down. So absolutely. Uh, all right. <laughs> Peter, are you ready to talk the list? Oh, really? That's it? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, done. <laughs> like I said, it's light news. You ready to talk about the list? I, I mean, as ready as I'll ever right. be, right? <laughs> uh, Ryan, you heard us. We're talking the list now. So if you could do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. 
So, Peter, you ready to talk the list tonight? Absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> this list, because this was my pick, I'll give a quick rundown. I literally picked this list for two reasons. One was a little selfish, and two was to get Travis on the show. Um, one, the reason <laughs> to get Travis on the show, when we were him and I were talking about doing this because he's got his YouTube show, and then we have this show, and it was kind of like, hey, you come on mine, I'll come on yours, we'll cross-promote, that kind of thing. Um, that being said, Travis tells me when I said, what do you want to talk about? He said, I really want to do night movies from 1999. Problem is you and I already did that list, Peter. So you and I had already did that list. But when I told him that we already did it, he said, we'll just pick any year from 1990, the 1990s and we'll go with it. And I said, great. Well, 1998 is the year I graduated high school. So I thought, why not? Let's do that year. So it kind of was kind of a twofold thing. So let's hop on our Wayback Machine and go hit, uh, go take a look at the movies from 1998. Sound good? Sounds good. Um, cool. I do have a question. Travis, sure. what were the movies from 1999 you really wanted to talk about? Just <laughs> not to de- derail us too much. But. I don't want to this up, but I believe the two are Fight Club and The Matrix, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, two of my favorite movies yeah, of believe- all time. So, yeah. There's definitely more, but I know those two for sure are from 1999. I could. I literally don't know how far back I'd have to scroll on our lists to find it. I'll so, verify just to make sure. I'm not probably making... about a year. <laughs> <laughs> probably about a year. Well, I'm trying to. I've been doing Peter honestly. Uh, on we, our... we did it in 2020, I believe. And my big in my big uh, spreadsheet that I keep of this, I'm trying to like do some management of it to make it easier to like find stuff for us. So, right. Uh, that being said, actually, I could take a quick peek because um, I might have <laughs> might have actually gotten to that uh, movies from 1999 was episode 49 of our podcast. So we could go back and do that. So um, at any rate, so I have two honorable mentions. Peter, do you have two? Yes, I do as well. How many do you have? I'm, I'm allowed to have two, right? You're allowed the to have rules? two. I'm well, by the, rules too. The, the rules are you're allowed to have two, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes Peter and I will run into situations where like I don't have any. Oh, I'm definitely. You know what I mean? Okay, great. So, how about this? Let's we'll start with you, Peter. This was my list, so I get to go last anyway. So, Peter, we'll let you go. We'll go Travis and then me. So, Peter, what's your first honorable mention? Okay, yeah. So, my honorable mentions actually have a bit of a theme because they're both movies that I really love, but I just haven't seen in a long time, and I just don't know how well they resonate with me anymore. Um, Well, the first one's kind of, uh, of course, I'm still gonna like it, but uh, the first one I mentioned, I put on my list is Blade, and that's like, like I love Blade. Like this movie has such a cool aesthetic, such cool action scenes. I know some of the effects are pretty dated but they're still like really cool looking but what's that i love this movie but did you see the meme uh that it was a meme of it was a picture of deadpool and it said rated r movie and then it was a picture of uh, black panther and it said black actor black lead and then it was a picture of blade and he says did you guys all forget about me (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and that's that's the thing is everybody forgets about it but uh no my only issue is i just I don't know if I've I haven't seen this movie in so long. And although, like, I know there's so much I like about it, like as far as for just like the writing and story and stuff, I don't remember like, you know, I don't know how that would resonate with me, you know, being a grown adult as as opposed to a kid. I'm sure I'd still love it, but it's just I haven't seen it in such a long time sort of I thing. Think so I think it holds I up. Think it there's, holds some, up. there's some CG at the end that's a little yeah. wonky because of the time that the movie was made, but overall it holds yeah. up. That scene, yeah. 
opening sequence that the opening scene the the bloodbath yeah the, it's unbelievable that song I, don't, I can't think of what the song is i knew it before but that's actually one of my oh, the first two scenes. i don't break and rolls here but that's one of your, no it's, it's one of mine also man i absolutely and it kind of started in a way that like the modern comic books i, I think i'm you're, you're gonna, that's i think i know yeah you're right tell me if i'm wrong but no, I think no, no. It did. you're you're correct that's the first because batman and robin killed the modern comic book movies um, yeah. because it was the worst thing that happened to Batman since his parents being shot. And then, um, and then everyone was like, no, no more comic book movies, no more comic book movies. And then someone said, let's do blade. And they took it. They, they treated it seriously is what they did. Like, well, I don't think everybody was a comic book. Honestly, when I, people I, saw it and were I like, this agree. is a cool movie. Like, I agree. Um, yeah, go ahead. Say what do you, what were you saying about blade? No, I mean, that's it. I, it was just, it, it, it again, I'm, I'm glad I, I knew it was going to come up tonight one way or another because sure. in this group of people, we were going to, we were going to bring it up. But I, I remember seeing that movie many times. I'm, I, I'm, you know, when 98, I was 15, um, dating myself here, but, um, loved it. I just absolutely loved it. I could watch it tonight. I think yeah, I would, that I open, the opening scene with the bloodbath. Um, I loved Pearl. That's such a cool character. That's the big fat vampire. That's like the record keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Steven Dorff's character, I draw a blank on his name, but at least I know the actor who played him as it's such an amazing villain. Um, there was a lot to that movie and it set up, it set up such a cool sequel. Um, cause I loved the sequel. I wasn't a fan. I, w- I didn't like the third Reynolds one. Is much, the, Ryan Reynolds is the third one, right? That's true. Ryan Reynolds is the third one, yeah, but right. the, the yeah. second one blade two, yep. the new vampires with yep. the, like the, the vampires that eat vampires, I guess you could say that right. it's just awesome. Um, all right, well, you guys matched. That was kind of cool. Uh, my first honorable mention is Dark City. That was that would that was like that just missed. That's my eighth. <laughs> that was my eighth movie. Uh, Peter, did you see Dark City? I don't think so. Um, I remember seeing TV spots for this movie and thinking it'd look cool, but I think it was just I wasn't old enough to see this movie, and it was just kind of I never actually saw it. <laughs> so if you're listening and you don't know what Dark City is, it's basically uh, this guy wakes up in a hotel room and there's a dead body next to him and he's kind of wanted for murder. So there's a little bit of a criminal investigation into him, but he's also like, there's weird people in the city that seem to have these abilities and he can't figure out what they're about, but they can like alter the space around him. So it's like, am I in a real reality? So there's like, like this crazy, like sci-fi mystery going on on top of this, like criminal investigation mystery. And as it spans out, like the ending is just a big mind trip. So, um, and it's one of those movies that you fall in love with Jennifer Connelly all over again, too. So um, every movie she's in, right? And every every movie she's in. <laughs> uh, the movie I really fell in love with Jennifer Connelly was The Rocketeer. Not going to lie. That was the one that I'm I, not going to lie. I love that movie. I did not realize she was in that movie because I haven't seen that movie since I was she, probably. She's the lead. Go rewatch it. it. You're really? going to go, oh, my God. She's the female lead. And you're just going to go, oh, my God. Like, this is the movie that made me fall in love with Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> um, or that one. Kids so, listening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Dark City, uh, that's it's such a cool movie. The ending of the film is such a like the movie itself is a mind trip. But the ending of the film, the final shot is really going to crack your brain a little bit. Um, I need to watch it again because I, I didn't put it in my top. because I was like, you know, honestly, I can't speak to it. I own it. I just haven't watched it forever. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch it now because right. I do recall loving it at the time. Um, yeah, I, I really want to watch this, too. I don't like I don't I didn't know anything about this movie, but it sounds awesome just from your brief description drew like it sounds like it'd be right up my alley so i definitely want to check this one out <laughs> sometime soon uh, and then uh yeah so so dark city was mine uh peter what's your next um honorable mention yeah so uh my next one is the x-files 
And this ah, is a yeah. movie that um, I remember. So the thing is, is the, I saw this. By the way, this is the first X-Files, uh, which is Fight the Future, not the other one, which was not good. <laughs> yeah, like, and I actually, I actually haven't seen the other one, but I remember uh, being a kid and just like, I loved the show, The X-Files. Like, I never was, like, the person who watched every episode. But as a kid, like, watching that was so much fun because I was just so fascinated with, like, paranormal stuff and UFOs and all that. And uh, I remember seeing this movie and being really excited. And uh, for the age I was, which I think I was in junior high or something when this came out. But when I saw this movie... It was at that point in my life the most suspenseful thing I had ever seen. <laughs> like I remember watching this movie and thinking it was so suspenseful. The reason it's only an honorable mention is I haven't seen this movie since that first time. So I have no idea how well this holds up with me. <laughs> but just that experience I had when I was in like sixth grade or whatever, and I watched this movie and it just feeling like it was like the best movie ever. Like it just had to make it make an honorable mention for me. So there you go. I loved this X-Files movie. Um, the couple scenes that really stand out for me is the scene is the scene that uh, where he's in the bar where Mulder's in the bar and he gets drunk and he tells and the bartender asks him a question about what he does for a living. And because he's drunk, he kind of spills the beans. But she thinks he's crazy because she doesn't believe a word out of her mouth. But it's <laughs> an amazing monologue about some, what happened to his sister and how he got into the FBI and all this stuff. It's a really cool monologue. He just really rocked it. So kudos to him. But then um Later, the big scene with the bees and that whole like science facility that they found. Those are the two scenes yeah. that kind of stick out to me because I can see them in my head like they, you know, so that was a fun. I mean, it's just a fun show to begin with, you know, and then in the right. movie, it was, you know, it was I think the movie tied some of the pieces of the show back together, too. Right. Yeah. If I recall correctly. So it was kind of neat to see that. And I, I feel like this was one of the first cases where the episodes that came out out after the show were like affected by the movie. I might be wrong, but I feel like that actually happened where that was like one of the first times I actually heard of like a TV show doing that where a movie comes out and then it's, it's also like, uh, you know, it actually affects the TV episodes that come out after it, after it. So, right. Yeah. On. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Travis, what's your next pick for the night? So my next one is Ronan Ronan. Oh my God. I love this. Movie. So I Peter, love have you seen movie. this. No, I haven't seen this one either. That's another thing is I, I know you guys are going to mention a lot of movies. I haven't seen no, this list, but uh, this one's a little sl- it, it, it can be a little slow, which is why it's in my honorable mentions. It's not my top five. Robert, but, Robert De Niro spy movie, basically. But it's Jean Reno is what does it for me. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know where you guys are at with the professional Leon. Oh, I love that. Oh, I, yeah. But I, that's one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, and. You know, that, that, you know, Luke Besson is a whole other thing. You know, you get to the fifth element, which might be my favorite movie ever. Let's fifth element might be your favorite might movie be, ever. Honestly, it's it's part of like whatever, whatever I was at in life and age, you know, you see, you just had a movie that like you're attached to. And I, yeah, a hundred times. I just love it. Like, you know, is it the greatest movie ever made? Absolutely not. But is it one of those movies I can watch forever? For sure. You know, and that's the funny thing when someone asks you what your favorite movie is. It's like it's not going to be that big Oscar winner that everyone knows. It's going to be the one that you have to watch all the time. It's that comfort movie. You know what I mean? You throw in over and over and over again. There's a little six degrees of separation there to get to that. But, yeah, Ronan, no, it's a great, like, spy thriller. You know, there's some good chase. It's the chasing. It's the car chasing. I'm going to screw up which is it Italy. Uh, 
Um, I think it's Italy. That's a good question. Somewhere in Europe, tight streets, small I haven't, cars. I haven't they're seen going the movie. They're going backwards. They're shooting. De Niro shooting it at Renault, and it's a great, great sequence for that that period, 1999 uh, type of film. So you know, it's, it doesn't have the sequences that, like, let's say, Heat has, because that like really set oh, the yeah. bar high for that. But it's great. It's a really good movie. They. Uh, I remember I watched. I went to the theater and saw Ronan, and I remember the couple of the people I was with, it was like a group of like, I think seven of us all went and saw Ronan together. And I remember walking out of the theater and like kind of raving about it. And me and one of my friends were like, really like, oh my God, that was amazing. And one person in the group was like, you never got to find out what was in the briefcase the whole time. And I kind of turned and said, what's in the briefcase wasn't important. And that was the whole point of the final scene of the movie. I remember that. Because it was that spy thing where he got the job, he did the job he had to do. It doesn't matter what's in that briefcase. Like the briefcase was just the MacGuffin. It got the plot moving. You know right. what I mean? But yeah. it doesn't matter because he's got to go to the next thing. And then Abrams, I think, stole that for Mission Impossible 3 because later you don't find out. You don't really get a clear answer as to what the thing was. Right. And when Tom Cruise asks at the end of the film, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's like, well, if you stay on, I'll tell you about it. And Tom Cruise is like, all right, maybe after my vacation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you don't get an answer, which is, you know, so – um, it sounds like uh, he might have been influenced by the chase scene for, uh, you know, the one in Fallout as well. Mission Impossible Fallout. I'm not sure. Like, I haven't seen it, but the uh, car chase scene, you mean? Yeah. Because uh, that because that you just could say yes, you could say no on that one, because if you do any <laughs> car chase over in, that in a European it's city. Like, yeah, it's going to look like yeah. that. It's gonna look like that. But I will, so. I will say, I think that's that's one. Of, I'm not sure James Bond did it way before all these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. This was kind of like the. I, well, that's because there's only twelve stories out there. Like there's there, <laughs> there's only twelve actual stories. No one actually has creativity anymore. I see. Well, well, I mean, okay. you're talking about you're talking about, we're talking about bigger macro level <laughs> issue. Here. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we could do a whole 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 show on that. I bet. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, we could do a whole episode on that. That'd be awesome. Um, did you guys have? Do you have any more to say on Ronan? No, that's just, everybody go see it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, everyone see Ronan. It was fantastic. All right, so my next honorable mention, and I brought it up before on the podcast. We talked about it in the sports films episode. Uh, we talked about it on our favorite team sports episode, um, and that is the movie Basketball. Um, nice. How did I miss that? I didn't. I didn't miss that one. I, really, I love that um, movie. Basketball <laughs> is fantastic. I absolutely love this movie. You guys have heard me talk about it ad nauseum before. Everyone should see it. It holds up too, and that's one of the best parts about that movie. Um, even in the even in the dating of uh, you know some of the. I guess did you make that movie today with the jokes. You definitely could not make that. <laughs> no as far as the jokes go, you could definitely not make that movie, but it still holds up. Let's be honest. Um, I love everything Trey and Matthew. I mean, like, it, it, I don't think they've they haven't made many mistakes. They have not made many mistakes. Um, so I don't know, Peter. Do you have anything to say about basketball? No, I just I just really love this movie, um, and I agree with uh, just everything you know Trey and Matt do. It's they're just some of the most innovative like comedy you know, writers or however you want to phrase it, like, yeah. you know, of our generation for sure. But uh, no, yeah, this movie is really good. I think it's I uh, really I really think they should do a baseball, too, to be completely honest. Now, that'd be, be awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to get into the actual uh, five picks of the night. Um, before we go, there's something I usually do at the beginning when we do a year and I completely forgot. So this is actually a good time to do it. Um, real quick, so because we're doing films in 1998, the best picture this year was Shakespeare in Love, which I completely oh. disagree with, and Travis is making oh a face. Yeah, he completely disagrees. <laughs> who, with got, it. who got robbed? Someone got robbed this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to go back and look. I always, when we do a look Travis, when we do a, when we talk about a specific year of films, I always mention what the best picture was. Fair. So um, this year was uh, Shakespeare in Love, and I will say of the movies in 1998, I saw a total of 110 of those films. Whoa. Whether I was in the theater or watched them after the fact, I cannot tell you if I saw all of them in the theater. But of the movies of 1998, I saw 110 of those movies. <laughs> So I, I saw 57, that's, that's my count that so. I give us every every time. <laughs> what impressive? I saw fifty seven, so I'm about half of what you had. So we always we always give a count of how many movies we you didn't saw. tell me. I didn't count mine. No. Um, I didn't think. Don't about worry, it. I I don't usually do it most of the time. <laughs> most of the time I just I, I kind of make a list of every movie. I like I go through the list and I go, oh I saw it I saw it I saw it and then I count it up and I'm like oh my god I was at the theater a lot that year. <laughs> um, what else are you gonna do at that age? You know? Like, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so Peter, this is your first actual pick. Uh, your number five pick for the night is what? Um, yeah, so the, okay. So my first pick is actually a pretty goofy one, but I went with the movie can't hardly wait, (laughs) Uh, which, uh, we've talked about this movie on the show before. Like we had a teen comedy episode. Um, when it comes down to it, I just think it's awesome, dude. So yeah, it's it's, a movie. You're absolutely right. By the way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's um wait, what'd you say? <laughs> said, I said best. you're absolutely right. It is the best teen comedy movie. I watched it I watched it like a month ago. My wife and I watched it. It's it's still great. Yeah, it's 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 really good and it's really like concise where it's like it all takes place over, you know, one night. I think the plot's pretty concise, you know, great characters and this kind of goes into what we were talking about a little bit ago where it's uh it's one of those comfort movies like I'm always down to watch this one I think the jokes still hold up like I just think it's really good so not too much to say on this one necessarily but that's my number 5 pick um the thing about can't hardly wait the one there's one thing I use it all the time I it's a reference I make to this movie and no one ever knows the reference <laughs> it drives me nuts and I I say it a lot it's the scene where um it's the scene where uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is trying to figure out who Preston is. She knows that there's a guy, Preston. He's se- she knows she's got a secret admirer. His name's Preston. And she's like, who is this guy? She spends the whole time trying to figure out who he is. And she says, and she stops and she sees Jason Siegel sitting there in the lawn chair. And she mentions, That's and right. she mentions Preston. And she's like, who is he? And he's like, oh, he's got, he's kind of tall. He wears t-shirts sometimes and he's got hair, but you gotta know Preston. <laughs> <laughs> And she's completely baffled by that description. And I love it because I, I always bring that up sometimes. And someone's like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, well, you, you know, he's kind of tall. He's got and I'll do that. And they just kind of look at me like dumbfounded. I'm like, never mind. You didn't get the reference. <laughs> there there is one time uh, at my work, uh, me and a coworker were actually quoting that at the office and nobody else knew what we were talking about. And it right. was pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I think many people at age had it may have had a crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt too. Everyone's be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, it's half the reason I watched Heartbreakers. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that's just like the classic like high school party movie. Like every time you went to a party after that in high school, you thought it was going to be that. It never was, but like that was the expectation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Travis, what do you got? So I'm going to go a little obscure here, but Run Lola Run. Ah, yes. Um, which I don't know if you've both seen it, but. Uh, another another one I haven't seen. <laughs> right, if I'm not mistaken. German, futuristic, yeah. post-apocalyptic kind of. Uh, kind of, but botched sort of like, you know, money, not a heist, but like money drop type movie. But then she has to then, she does it again. She tries, she has to do her task and she does it three different times and the endings are not, are not going her way. So it's kind of a, 
I'm not explaining this terribly well at all. No, 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 it's okay. It's and really it's an interesting story. And I would have to look up a little bit more of a synopsis myself to really go into it. But the thing, what I think it's funny about this movie is that this movie sometimes gets uh, referenced here and there on like, like Big Bang Theory will make a reference and someone like you oh, and nice. me would make a joke. We'd probably like, ha ha ha, run Lola, run reference. You know what I mean? And like half of the world under half of the world caught it and the rest of the half world doesn't know what it's talking about. So this is a movie I feel like comes up on occasion where people get the references. Yeah. And like if you were, if you didn't see the movie, you're just not in the know kind of thing. Yeah. It's one um, of those things. Like it's always stuck with me. And again, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I know I really loved it when I saw it. And the, the, the person who wrote and directed it also did two other movies called heaven and the princess and the warrior, which I highly recommend. Ooh, I've Kate, seen Kate, that. Kate, Kate I have that's in one of them. Um, but again, like really interesting concepts um, and, and really well done. And I definitely think they're they're a good watch for everybody who likes a, a well written film. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you have anything else on Run Roller? No. It's... Okay. Um, my first actual pick of the night is a movie called The Imposters. Have you seen this? Imposters. Peter, have you seen The Imposters? I don't think so. It's not ringing a bell for me. Okay, so this movie is. Um, this is a movie that um, is actors at their absolute peak doing what they do best. Stanley Tucci, Oliver Platt played two like out of work actors trying to get jobs in like a play or whatever the case may be. And they end up there's basically like a jewel heist and then they become like the subjects of the like the suspects in the jewel heist. So they end up like stowing away on this cruise ship and then they like try to hide out on the cruise ship and it becomes this like chaser on the ship and whatnot. But they're trying to like act their way out of it. <laughs> um, it is one of the funniest movies you'll ever see. Like there's some incredible monologues, but in terms of like you want to, you want to watch two actors at like the, like the pinnacle of what their craft is. This movie is an amazing, amazing piece. But then the rest of the cast is just, astounding like uh steve semi's in it Steve-Semi, like you know yeah. what i mean like it's such a cool cool movie i tony highly Shalhoub? recommend it yeah oh, tony right. shalom's in this like it's a great movie i highly I'll recommend check it out it. Yeah. everyone should watch it and it's one of those it's definitely one you could watch with the kids it came it's got like a i honestly think it's got a pg it there's one f-bomb but i seriously think the movie's rated pg <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> There's one f bomb, but I seriously think the movie's rated PG. But it is such a funny movie. Uh, it's got a little bit of a slow start, but you're just learning the characters at that point. Woody Allen's in the movie. Woody Allen's sequence is hysterical. Uh, so yeah, it sounds like it's got a really co- uh, good premise and uh, definitely a good cast. So I'll keep my eye out yeah. for that one. Um, all right, so Peter, you're up. Oh, well, my number four pick can be pretty quick because it's actually basketball. (laughs) And we already talked about this one. But, yeah, really funny movie. uh, Really good. (laughs) Nice. All right. Um, So, Travis, just real quick back to the imposters. I don't know if you knew Stanley Tucci wrote and directed that. Oh, did he really? That that movie's fantastic. And when I was in college, um, I did There's a scene from that movie I did for an acting class. Um, that we were like, we were just basically had to find a scene and do it. So me and my partner did the one scene. Later, I had a buddy of mine who chose that scene for a class that he had to do for a directing class. 
And he had an actor that was just not understanding the scene. And then the actor dropped out and he calls me and he goes, will you come and play that role? <laughs> and he goes, I need you to go. to." F-. And I go, do you want me to just do it like the movie or do you want me to do my own thing? And he goes, no, 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 no. I need you to go to full Stanley Tucci when you do this scene. <laughs> and I said, no problem. <laughs> so if you watch the movie, the scene I'm referring to is the bakery scene. And you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about when you see it, when you watch it. But. Um, but yeah, awesome. That's the one scene where the F-bomb is, but, <laughs> but awesome. So anyway, Travis, what's your next pick? So my number four is going to be Pi. Pi, yes. Saranowski's first film. I don't even think it's a full-length film. Um, um, that's a good question. I think it's like 30, I feel like it's a 30-minute film. That got right? a lot of Oscar attention, too. Uh, maybe, maybe it is a full-length then. Hold on. Let's just, let me just, before I, yeah, it is an hour and a half. All right. Fair enough. Um, you can see how, how many times I've watched it since. But no, I think this is important because... The story is great, but also it kind of it started during Aronofsky's career, and it, to, you know he's very influential in every in a lot of things, and he's made tons of great movies. Right, um, I, you know as he's gone on in his career, things have gotten a little more questionable, but they're also they're also very enjoyable to watch. I just you know my favorite of his movies is Black Swan. Um, Incredible story! Holy crap! Great I love I love that movie so. Um, but Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream, um, the the wrestler is amazing. Oh, I honestly just confused Requiem for a Dream in my head with Mulholland Drive, and <laughs> we, could, we could do a whole episode about those two movies too if you want. <laughs> yeah. Come back to that one. Um, I still don't know if I understand Mulholland Drive, but hey, that's fine. Like, I, we, I, when we're done tonight, I can explain to you what I, what I understand. Yeah, <laughs> David Lynch is a whole other thing. Um, but actually, in Darren Oski, The Fountain actually is my one of my top. 10 films oh, ever really? and a really beautiful film to me. Like it really resonated. I think that's an awesome, awesome movie. Uh, and that's Taranofsky. So I, I think, I think this movie is important because this was his first and it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Nice. Um, I did not match, unfortunately. Like I didn't, we didn't like match or anything. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. I'm just letting you know, like you're, you had this look on your face. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, we didn't match. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my next pick of the night is suicide Kings. And I have Travis making a face. Peter, do you know Suicide Kings? I know I've seen this. No. Okay. So this is essentially, um, so Johnny Galecki, Jay Moore, Christopher Walken, like this movie, like. It is a great movie. This movie is phenomenal. Dennis Dennis Leary's in this. It's essentially this kid gets his girl, his sister, this kid's sister gets kidnapped and it's like a $2 million ransom or something like that. And they don't know how to like to keep his parent to keep his rich dad out of the equation. He's trying to like get his sister back, so he decides to kidnap a former mob boss played by Christopher Walken and try and hold him ransom to get the ransom money to pay for his sister. Um, so they call it Suicide Kings because it's a suicide. It's basically like a suicide mission to try and do this. Well, with anyone who's seen uh, True Romance knows that's a bad idea, right? You don't you don't ca- kidnap Christopher Walken, mob boss, and expect to get away with anything. <laughs> right. It's, the movie is uh, first off. The movie's incredible, but is a ton of fun leading through it. And you got Johnny Galecki, who's trying to keep this like they, they do the whole thing in his parents' house, and he's like, it's kind of like the kid throwing the party that doesn't want anything to like get messed up in the house, but they're throwing like the wrong kind of party because they're kidnapping a mob boss and cutting off his finger. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing movie. So um, it's the, when Travis, when he realized, like, oh, wait, that's 1998. That was <laughs> well, I looked at the movie poster. I was like, oh, my God, this movie's great. Like, it's just these movies you forget about. But, right. Like, they're classics. Yeah. All right. So, Peter, what do you got for your next pick? Oh, yeah. So my number three pick is uh, The Mask of Zorro, actually. Um, and this one I felt was important because it's. You know, the age I was when this came out, we watched it like over and over again um, at our household. And 
the thing is, like, we talk a lot about superheroes on the show and uh, superhero movies. And when you deal with that realm, of course, you're talking a lot about origin stories. And I just think this movie is kind of a really perfect origin story for a kind of non super superhero, if you will. And I just thought it was kind of important to mention because of that. But I still really love this movie. It's great fun awesome action scenes and sword fighting and uh it's just a really good time i think so yeah Um, not necessarily too much else to say but yeah it's not the greatest movie in the world but i had a lot of fun watching it and i was really impressed with it and i see what you're talking about with the superhero movie before there was a superhero movie you gotta remember though man bruce wayne his parents got gunned down in that alleyway right after they got done watching so, yeah, <laughs> you're a lot right. Of influence there in the superhero <laughs> community. If you think about it, um, you looked like you were going to say something, Travis. No, no, no. I just forget. Okay, okay. Um, well, it's your pick. So, was the movie? <laughs> Phantoms is from that year too. And Phantoms and, 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 was talking about original superhero. I just laughed. Phantoms is in that. And when I actually, when I was looking at movies from 1998, and I was like, okay, so. And I, and I started laughing because of the joke in Jane Silent Bob. Bob. That's exactly what I keep hearing. Phantoms joke, like, yeah. <laughs> so I only know I only know about Phantoms from that joke. Is that a superhero movie or what? No, is sci-fi <laughs> yeah, movie. It's not it's superhero. Like, sorry, but it's it almost think like of it. A, Phantoms is it's it's like ghosts or aliens or yeah. like I don't I only saw it the one time. It's a little bit more alien, kind of like the thing in a way, but there's multiple. Okay. Um, Sorry, I just spawned the thought for Cesaro for whatever reason made me think of Phantoms, and I was laughing over here, and that, that's like one of the best shows ever. Like so <laughs> another bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> watch the movie, and then I don't remember what the movie was, but there's some other movie where they make a Ben Affleck joke, and he's like, "Sometimes you get reindeer games, sometimes you get Phantoms." So <laughs> I think that's yeah, in that Jay and Silent Bob Strike Maybe. Back as well. What, Peter? I think that's. I thought that was in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as well. It, you know, like I, th- I thought, I thought it's like, it's the scene with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon when they're filming Goodwill Hunting too, and oh uh, God, that could be the same because <laughs> because they're they're talking they're talking about like you know you got to do a big you know blockbuster picture and then you do the artsy indie film because you'll have like the money from the big picture to cover your costs for that film and then uh, Matt Damon's like yeah and sometimes you do reindeer games <laughs> and Ben Affleck's like hey that was cold man. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So uh, you're up, Travis. We're on number, um, number, number three. three. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go big here and heavy. Uh, American History X. Yeah. You know what? When I was looking up, when I was kind of like making my short list, I'm like, Travis is going to totally pull this movie out. So, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable acting. I mean, um, this is early on in Edward Norton's career. But I mean, I love everything. he Everything he did early on, I think. Everything. Is, is pretty it, every, almost all of Norton's. Um, it's it's escaping. What's the first one real quick? Um He's the he's the younger guy. He's he's in he's in prison, and he's he's talking. Oh, about oh uh, primal fear. Yeah, I'm not going to give away the twist, but please, everyone needs to watch. Oh, you've talked about it. We've talked about it on the show, and I didn't give away the twist either. Everyone you, needs you to, need to watch primal. the movie. It's it's like if you're if you're an aspiring actor, I think it's a good thing to watch because he he does an unbelievable job to the point where when you see the end, you're like, wait a second. You're like, no, I know. Like, when come you, on, when you get to that mind breaking. Yeah, I was like, you got to go. What? Me. But he, he puts on a on a hell of a performance. But anyway, I think I this would, kind of I would compare. I would almost compare primal fear that acting ability with uh, edward norton and primal fear to uh usual suspects 
Kaiser um, Sose. Just yeah. the Kaiser Sose yeah. thing. For and sure. Suspects. Yeah, That's very similar, a, very similar concept. But anyway, I think this kind of American History X was like the next step for him coming from, from there. There's probably a couple things in between, obviously. There's definitely, but um, this this movie is, is it's heavy in, in subject matter, but it has a, a great sort of uh, – uh, turnaround story, I guess you could call it, but at the same time, you go through a lot of really like hard, hard things to watch um, yeah. in, in tough subject matter, but it's a, it's kind of a redemption story in a way. Yeah. And uh, it's also one of the last times we saw Edward Furlong before uh, he disappeared. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't think of so. his name there, but yeah, no, he does. They, they both, it's really just the two of them in the movie. And then the other guy, the big guy um, who's from Ethan, Ethan Suplee. Yes. Who also from yeah. Paul Rats fame, as we were just yeah, referencing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the three of them are basically, the, you know, the majority of the movie, but they do. It's uh, again, it's 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 heavy subject matter, but it, it's a really good film that people need, should see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I will say, like, this movie did make my short list because it's like such a powerful film. And like it does have that really it does a really good job of that redemption arc, even though the subject matter is so heavy. But the only reason like this didn't make my top five is it's just it's not a movie that I want to watch a lot, you know, like I'm okay watching this movie like once every 10 years, but the subject matter is so heavy that it's not like one that I put on, you know, just for casual <laughs> viewing. Yeah, and I, I think that affected it. my list a bit too, but it is a great film and it is like, it is really powerful too. So I definitely hear, uh, I definitely understand why it would make your top five for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, I, I own and I probably watched it twice in like, it's probably once every whatever five to ten years. It's a requiem for a dream yeah. for me too. I think it's it's an incredibly like uh, influential movie and it, it means you know it it's, it hits home and it, it, it you know it's it's important but like it just it's uncomfortable you know so yeah it, but it needs to be talked about you know yeah yeah for sure. Right. Anything else on American History X? Yeah. All right, so. That bumps it over to me. So my next pick of the night is Pleasantville. Really nice. I really, I really, really like Pleasantville. Um, I don't. Peter, you've seen the movie, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've seen this one a lot for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought the concept of the movie struck me as like when the kid gets sucked into the TV. I was like, all right, I'm in for a ride. This is cool. Like I was totally in for it. And then as the movie develops, and like even watching it now as like an adult and having a completely different understanding as to what I was watching, the social commentary behind it all, the movie's awesome. And it really mm-hmm. up and it like and and what's really kind of funny to watch think about talk about Pleasantville now is we have this show called Wandavision. And like this weird sitcom-y kind of a uh, uh, thing that's going on with that. And it makes me think of Pleasantville quite often, um, just in terms of how that show played out and everything. So, you know, I didn't think of that consp- comparison, but I really should have because there is such a Pleasantville vibe to that show. And I totally didn't think of it, which is kind of funny. But what we were saying? No, no, no. It's just I love this movie. And every time and it was funny and I was really like and when I made my short list, I was literally staring at it like man, it's got Pleasantville's got to be on here somewhere. And I like I kind of made my list like four times before I settled on it. So like Pleasantville was on and off a few times. But at the end of the day, like when I'm just looking at the course of this year alone, Pleasantville makes the fits the bill. I need to watch it again. Right. I'll trust you. Right on. Yeah. The the thing I like about Pleasantville is like on paper, it's such a corny like plot. Like the plot sounds so ridiculous, but all the characters, uh, you know, all the actors portrayals of their characters, uh, they do it very earnestly and sincerely. And uh, 
I think it just makes it for a better movie because of how seriously they took this ridiculous premise. And uh, like Drew was saying, like the social commentary and stuff ends up coming, you know, a lot through a lot stronger because of those choices. So, uh, yeah, definitely a good pick. And then there's a scene. It's kind of interesting when you see the scene where like um, like they're in basketball practice and all they're all making every shot every time. Like it's, yeah. it's a perfect world. It's a perfect world that they live in. Of course, they're the number one basketball team because they never miss a shot. And then when they're in the history class scene, and uh, Reese Witherspoon says, "Well, what's outside of Pleasantville?" Because they're talking geography, and she goes, "Well, what's outside of Pleasantville?" And no one knows how to answer the question. You know what I mean? Because they live in this perfect bubble, this yeah. pocket universe, if you will. If I want to make another Wanda WandaVision reference, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, no, it's just it's a cool movie, and I just I. It's one that I kind of in my brain, I always, for some reason, remember is back there. So, uh, Peter, you're up, man. Number two. Yeah. So this one, I think, is pretty funny just because um, I think I'm a couple years younger than both of you. And you all are picking uh, very uh, edgy, like R-rated movies and stuff. But my number two uh, favorite movie from this year was Mulan, <laughs> Disney's Mulan. Um, I obviously, if you listen to the show, like I definitely have a bit of a... Uh, I, I always lean like if something's animated, I I, I like I honestly usually like it more. Um, so this isn't probably that big of a surprise. But Mulan was a thing where when this movie came out, I really wanted to watch really violent, gory movies about war and stuff like I really wanted to watch Braveheart. But I just wasn't allowed to because of my age. So I had to settle for things like Mulan or Quest for Camelot <laughs> and stuff like that. But the thing is, like. There is some really good action scenes in Mulan, like the uh, the cinematography in the avalanche fight scene. I really think that's really good and like really striking imagery. But uh, overall, I think this movie just like even though it's you know, it's kind of seems like a ridiculous choice because it's a kid's movie. I think it's held up pretty well for me. Like I'm always down to watch this movie. Uh, I think a lot of the jokes are still really funny and uh, it's just a good story overall. So, yeah. Uh have you i agree with everything you said but have you watched the live action one yet i have not that's that's the funny thing is i haven't even watched it yet okay because i really want to that when i saw the trailer for it i was like this looks awesome this looks like crouching tiger hidden dragon awesome like i really gotta check this out yeah Um, and i honestly and and i feel bad that i have not taken the time to watch it yet but honestly i have not taken the time to watch it yet so um yeah the, the same for me i don't know why the live action disney stuff is really hit or miss for me so maybe that's why i haven't watched it yet but uh yeah i think i'm i gotta check it out sometime soon for sure Cool, cool. Um, all right, Travis, you're up, man. All right, so my I went back. I'm still going back on one and two, back and forth, back and forth. But I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna kick myself later. But my number two is gonna be Saving Private Ryan. Um, and since we're on number two, is I actually match with you on this one? You do? Okay. Yes. I was. A, I, I figured this might be your number one. Um, should should I should I um give a spoiler and say this was my number one film as well? <laughs> You can if you want. I so. think it's just gonna come close for everybody. And this yeah. is the one I was thinking of, by the way, that should have won the Oscar that year. I don't. I still to this day don't understand what they Peter, were. Peter, because it would roll to me and I matched, they would roll to you and you matched, so it's totally fine. So let's yeah. talk to Saving Private Ryan. Well, I can say like I actually thought this was the Oscar winner, so I was actually surprised when you said Shakespeare in Love earlier, Drew. This like is, I was like, what yeah, the heck? This is why I feel that uh, Shakespeare in Love is incorrect, but it's the one that won. So. 
Anyway, you were saying Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I mean, I've watched this movie uh, recent. Don't, well, hopefully, my wife doesn't listen to this. I watched this movie recently with my, my two boys who probably aren't allowed to watch. <laughs> but you know, the, the point we talked about it before we watched it, and, and the point behind that was that you know, this is so what, I shouldn't send your wife a text message right now and said if you want to see something here's <laughs> really funny. This, this you know this this movie's real you know, and, and the kids pretend about war and then they want to joke about it. I'm like. But I don't think, and you tell them about it. And they learn about it in history class. They read a book, but you don't really ever feel it in your guts until you. I think you watch the opening sequence of this movie, and I can remember sitting in the theater still to this day, um, watching. I still cry. I cry like a baby when I watch this movie. Just get that out of the way now. Beginning and whatever. Yeah, doesn't matter. Like I can't help it. And, but I, when I saw this movie in the theater, there was a, a two gentlemen in front of me who were who were World War Two vets. We found out later, and to see them see this and be just so moved by it. I was just incredible that someone made a film about a real thing. So many times things are adapted from reality or books or whatever, and everybody's like, it was close, but, you know, it's just not quite it. I think this might be the one shining example where people see this and they're like, that was it. Like, that's yeah. what happened. Like, the people that were there right. were like, it's so real, it's hard to watch. And I remember the opening scene. Like, was it the opening scene? Does it, it starts in the cemetery or does it like yeah, the opening yeah, scene yeah, technically yeah. is the cemetery okay. and then they storm the beach. Yeah. So the storm the yeah. beach opening scene. Um as soon as that's over and like the troops are like you have Tom Hanks and his crew like yeah. discussing what's about to happen, you're literally like trying to listen to this exposition dialogue and you're still catching your breath. And that's sure. one of the most powerful parts of the movie. You're just like <gasps> okay, I can breathe yeah. all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like um it's just the movie's incredible, and like every action sequence, like Spielberg really knows how to shoot a movie. Yeah, so you're just like inside that 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 storm. You see, you're just like you're inside of it. Like I'll have to have you over sometime to watch, both you guys over sometime to watch it with the surround sound. You see, you hear the bullets <laughs> flying by your head, and like <laughs> just it's amazing, man. Like you're there, and even as it goes along, like the movie doesn't. It doesn't feel like it, it, it takes a while, but, you know, there's a lot of it, it, the, the scenes where they're walking just through a field and they're conversing. just says, you know, you, you start to realize they're just regular people like you and I, you know, like that's what the soldiers mm-hmm. were. And they slowly you lose a character here, you lose a character there. And it, it's hard, man. Like you, you really you're very quickly tied to every one of these characters in their, in their group. And and, it, it, it and, and I always and I always forget that Vin Diesel's in the movie. Vin Diesel, absolutely. Yeah, he's, one of <laughs> he's the first guy that they lose in the, right. the group. But I always I always forget about it, and then the movie will be like on like Veterans Day or something like that. I'm like, oh yeah, Vin Diesel's in this. Well, watching it, my tenure goes. He goes, why is Dom Toretto in this movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it turns out he does other things. He can do other things than just drive a car. So, um, and you hear they're going into space. Come on, they're not really. They're apparently they're going yeah. to space. Antarctica. It was Antarctica. Now they got to go to space. Now they got to go to space. The desert. Yeah. Hey, if they're going to space, I might as well watch it. Uh, dude, of course I will. I have the box set. I love it, man. <laughs> I have the so box fun, set. Dude. There it is. So um, perfect. All right. Did you guys have Peter? Anything else on Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I didn't say too much, but I think you guys said a lot where just the movie's like so powerful, like uh, Travis was getting at earlier, earlier. And I absolutely agree with that. But then also another thing Travis mentioned was the uh, the dialogue in this movie and, you know, how you identify with these soldiers as they're walking, you know, through fields and stuff. And like you, you realize that the characters are real. They're not like these. They're like regular people. But I think it's both that writing as well as just the 
cinematography and the special effects and stuff making the battle scenes and everything feel so visceral where i mean you guys kind of have already gotten at it but i just think like if you look at it from just a special effects angle like they did so such a good job recreating these battle scenes and from like the practical effects with the gore and uh the explosions and the set pieces and stuff i think they just did such a good job making you feel like you're in the middle of world war two. And I honestly, looking back on it, I don't know how they did some of those things. Like, did they use CGI on a lot of the sets or did they just I make they like do. massive? I think they, just, I think and they stuff did a lot and, of it, but Spielberg really cornered the market with CG when he did Jurassic park and this came out post Jurassic park. So yeah, it doesn't feel like it though. You know what I mean? Like no, it, actually, honestly, Jurassic park, it's weird. It's better than some movies that come after it. That's a whole other thing in terms yeah, of CG. Yeah. Like that CG is still great. The like, kids can watch yeah. it. Well, they don't feel like it's some of the things that make Jurassic Park CG is amazing. Is because it's half CG, half puppetry. Right. And, yeah, yeah, I think that's important. A lot of these movies, you know. Right. So I don't know, but and, I, I, I think I, I think it's just the Private Ryan was practical. Yeah. So. I, I think I think it mostly was, too. But either way, like, it's just incredible what they were able to create and how like real it felt. And you watch it like if you watch it now, it still feels really real. And I just think it's kind of a really incredible, incredible feat of cinematography they pulled off where I think like, yes, the story is so powerful and it's such a great movie. And I feel like people don't talk about the special effects in this movie enough because I think they just were are so good, you know, but, you know, people don't talk about it. So I guess I just wanted to say that, um, but also just like it. didn't win the Oscar that year. <laughs> I don't think it, that? It, it felt so real. Like you don't even right. think about it being special effects. Like you literally feel like you're you're watching a do- almost a documentary in a way, you know, like absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Peter, that was your final pick, technically, because we all kind of matched yep. this really weird amalgamation way. Uh, Travis, <laughs> final pick of the night. My final pick, I'm actually kind of surprised it hasn't come up anywhere else in anybody else's list, but it's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, right, right. So, uh, I, I don't know. I'm a huge Hunter S. Thompson fan. I don't know if, if anyone has read any of his work. or anyone. I have. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just this It's just this is, is sort of, uh, his writing is always very intriguing because you don't know what is real, what is in his head. You know, like, it, it, he blends, he, he really well, he does a really good job of blending reality and fiction to tell at the time he was a journalist, right? So he's writing, yeah, yeah. like he's following Richard Nixon or like he's, he's telling, you know, he's telling these stories that way. And then this movie like encapsulates that. And this to me was like when Johnny Depp, to me, I was like, this guy can play anything. Like he, you know, he, he plays and now, and now he does. Yeah. He plays everything. <laughs> right. He does. He, he, he played, he played that every hands before this and, and other things, but Jack Sparrow comes after this. Yeah. yeah he yeah. just does. A, he just, I saw him and I was just like totally like like inspired by like how he can just like dive into a character and then you see Hunter Thompson in real life and you're like holy cow like he 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 mimicked it perfectly and you find out like later that they they, they spent tons of time together and he did all the things Hunter Thompson was doing right, right, right. the extracurriculars to get there but uh, it's just a cool you get the old Vegas and it's just uh, Benicio del Toro it's just this crazy like sort of mind meld uh, adventure. Yeah, in uh, uh, one of your uh, Spider-Man, who am I thinking of? Tobey Maguire. Yeah, it's in the opening sequence there too. So uh, I haven't, I haven't seen. I think I've seen this once, and it was a long time we'll ago. Watch it together. So sometime. we, we might have to. I've so. got the Criterion at home ready to go. So Peter, whatever. have you seen this movie? 
No, I've never seen it. I don't know. I just uh, I never knew anything that it was about besides just drugs. <laughs> so I just never like had the interest, I guess. But uh, I don't know. It sounds pretty interesting. I should probably definitely need to watch this. one. <laughs> you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, obviously adult content in that sense. But it's just um, and again, read a little bit about Hunter Thompson first to kind of understand uh, his dynamic and where he, he kind of how he kind of. Um, how he managed journalism in a very interesting way, I guess. If you right, right on. But right. yeah, in, in the Rum Diary too. If you, that's actually probably his the first thing he wrote. Giant Depp also stars in that later in the film, but uh, he wrote that early on in his career. That's his one piece of fiction out there. But both of those are, I think, really cool, really yeah, good yeah. books if you read books and stuff. So. <laughs> well, that drops to my final pick of the night, which I've talked about it on the show before. This is probably my favorite film of all time. I can't believe I don't know what it is. And it's the movie Out of Sight. Oh, it's okay. It's not here. It's on your shortlist. It's on right. my shortlist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This movie, like, like I said, I've talked about it before. This is ultimately like kind of like a really weird like bank heist movie. This, this is a comfort movie for me. For some reason, like I fell in love with it like right away. And it's one of those movies I have to watch every now and then. Like I just have to put it on and watch it and feel good about myself. But this is a time when like, if you look at the actors who are in this movie, like you know you got George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, Ving Rhames. Um, you got Don Cheadle, you got like Steve Zahn, you have actors who are like early enough in their career where they're not going for the Oscar, but they're doing their best to like put on a good show. So the acting is like coming out just amazing. Like all the performances are phenomenal. The script is amazing. The book it's based off of, um, uh, uh, which El- of the Elmore, same, Elmore. Elmore Leonard's yeah. book of the same yeah. title out of sight. Um, the book is amazing. So you have this amazing source material. You have the script, you have the cinematography you have the acting and then you have Steven Soderbergh's directing, which is just, I was just going to say this really, this is not the first one, but pretty close early on to pretty close. Yeah. And this kind of, this kind of started, uh, Ocean, if you name it, the actors, you, they're overlapping with Ocean 11 quite a bit, right, right, right. sort of kind of like where all that started. Yeah. And it just, it's, it's such a smart movie and it's so well put together and it's, it's one of my all time absolute favorites. It, it really is my favorite movie of all time. If I really had really? to put my, I'll if I really, if I really had to put a uh, pin in that, I definitely, you're going to hate that. this, but I, I mixed this movie up with another movie from 1998, which is not, which is, it's entertaining. It was like the big hit. Do you remember the big, Oh, I, I own the big, hit. Yeah. <laughs> also a great movie, but for some reason I must've, I, I watched them at the same time and I haven't watched right them anytime since. So like, I, I can't always tell you which one's which. Yeah. You definitely should go watch out of sight I again. I absolutely love it. I love Steven Soderbergh. Um, but yeah, no. And then like Samuel Jackson is his cameo at the end. And, um, yeah, it's just, this movie is so good. It's so good. And then the other thing, uh, Steven Soberg does this really, really cool camera trick um, where when you're reading the novel, if you read the novel, the Emerald Leonard novel, everything's in very chronological order. Well, Soderbergh did this thing where he decided to tell the story in this very like sort of flashbacky kind of a way. And he does this cool camera trick where there's these pauses. It almost looks like a glitch in the film, like something's wrong with the movie. And like it's, it's like a quick pause and then you'll watch a scene and there'll be like a quick pause and like you'll watch a scene. And if you pay attention to it, it's because you have multiple timelines running at the same time. And as soon as they get caught up to each other, there's one scene where uh, um, the two lead characters sleep together. After that scene, there's no more pauses and the physical look of the film changes. And like in terms of a visual language. And it's like, well, now we're caught up to real time. It's just this really cool directing thing. And it's super, super subtle. And I lo- every time I watch the movie, I love it. 
And this and probably my all time favorite scene in the movie is the scene where George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez meet in the bar. They eventually sleep together in the scene. But the way it's all shot and put together, it's such a cool like it's one of those like director actor like things where they sat down and said this other scene's going to go. They had their conversation. And then it's like actors at their craft with a director at his craft building this scene. And it's probably my favorite part of the whole film. But. But everyone needs, cool. everyone needs to see this movie. Yeah, I love it. That's a good one. Um, but Peter, that brings us to the end of the list, man. Um, yeah. So first off, what are we doing next week? Uh, yeah, so I think this is going to be a pretty fun list next week. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, basically, I was thinking about The Mandalorian just because there's no new episodes. And, you know, I kind of wish there were. And you I know, thought it'd be sad, fun. Isn't it? What's that? It's sad, isn't it? We should Ab- have absolutely. Mandalorian every <laughs> week all the time. Um <laughs> So, but that actually inspired the idea I had for our next week's list, which would be our top five fictional mercenaries and bounty hunters. Oh, nice. Okay. So, so like, I think, so this is another character right? list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think this would be a pretty fun topic to tackle. And, and uh, what's that? Anything goes books. Comics, Abs- absolutely. Games, books. Everything goes. Okay. Everything goes. Absolutely. All they just me- have to be fic- fictional. <laughs> just a final fantasy mercenary. I'm thinking of here, but <laughs> right on. Well, that's why I asked like video games yeah, count. Like yeah. where, are we, where are we landing on this? Um, no, dude, that sounds fantastic. And that's going to be a <laughs> rough list to put together. So that's, yeah, there's take. a lot of, uh, different options for this one. For sure. <laughs> um, well, how about this? Uh, Travis, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun. Um, So we'll have to, um, uh, seriously, listeners, check out uh, Chicago Science Bros on YouTube. Um, That's correct. I said that correct, right? Okay. And then uh, eventually, at some point, uh, once we figure out what science experiment we're doing, Peter and I will have to come and do the show with Travis, and you'll get to see us on there as well. We need um, to combine to some sort of like. Yeah, we'll suddenly know what I look like. What no, we do a top five? Yeah, so, we can do a top five when we do the experiment or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some, something with five experiments, or somehow we have to combine it. Yeah, we'll figure out something for that. So, um, but yeah, no, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, however, you this was a, this was a blast having you. So, as far as I'm concerned, you have an open seat at the table. Peter probably agrees, but you have an open seat. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot of fun. Back. You know, um, I don't think I'm gonna do. Um, Bounty hunters, Merc- justice. mercenaries. Sorry, mercenaries, <laughs> bounty hunters, justice. Yeah, but you know, if you guys do another year of movies, I think that's kind of my wheelhouse. That's um, fair. Okay, cool. Uh, you I, know, I would what? love. Next, I would love next to come time again, another year comes up, I'll drop you a line and I'm, say, "Hey, you want to join us?" I'd love to come um, back. I, again, I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I hopefully I don't go off too many tangents there with my picks, but no, no, no. no, no that's that's, that's what this show's the for, point, to be honest. Generally. So. The whole point of this is conversation and to go off on tangents. So right, there well. are nights that Peter and I go on crazy tangents. So, it's <laughs> um, well, again, uh, thank you for coming. Um, so, everyone, Peter, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to say thanks as well, Travis. Thanks for coming. It was a really fun show. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to the experiments and, uh, you know, doing another episode with you someday. But, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Drew. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, everyone, do us a favor and check us check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. There you can interact with the show there. Or hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us there. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. 
You will also uh, be able to leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be spreading the, the news that your sister's going out with Squeak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, uh, do you have, uh, Travis, do you have anywhere people are going to find you or just the Chicago you Science Rose Let's plug? just stick with the Chicago Science Rose okay. maybe, maybe next time I'll reveal some more, you know, save <laughs> some for later. All right, everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. I'm Travis. All right. Thanks. <laughs> and everyone have a good night.